0: hello everyone and welcome to the series for philippine area studies where we discuss about the philippines in its entirety including its culture its social dynamics its history its politics its economy so anything that is happening under the sun about the philippines so for this lesson we are focusing particularly on the political and economic development of the philippines so last time we talked about the political and economic development during the pre-colonial times, so the times during the Spaniards were still not able to reach the shores of the Philippines. And of course, what would happen next is undoubtedly the next form of political, social, and cultural change of the country. That is the arrival of the Spaniards. So we will be discussing about the Spanish colonization period. So, before we start, According to scholars, namely Philippine scholars, Amoroso and Aminales, they they view that there is this sort of recurring dilemma of state-society relations in the Philippines where when we try to attempt to develop as a state, there is these two factors that are constantly recurring that we somehow try to face. And I want you to take note of these two dilemmas and we all try to 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 come back to it later on and try to assess at the end of these these periods of history and try to justify whether or not these recurring dilemmas are present from the Spanish colonization period, the Japanese War, the American colonization during the Marcos's regime, or the early governance of the Philippine independence, and up until the present. So, these considered as two state horns or recurring dilemmas of. The Philippine state society relations and to developing as the Philippines itself is primarily on two, that's why it's called horns, the incapability to provide for its people, and also the enduring suspicion of a superior state. So these considered as dilemmas are somewhat constantly recurring in terms of the Philippines' development as a state or in when we start to develop there are certain boundaries or or hurdles particularly on the incapability to provide for our the filipinos themselves for example on the concept of democracy education and etc during this particular period and of course in the enduring suspicion of another state that would try to colonize or imperialize them so we will try to to understand what it actually means by understanding the history itself and and we will start during the Hispanic era so as mentioned by Alonso Luis by the nine the 1590s the breakup of the indigenous economy of the barangay was completed so that means the goals once the Spaniards came was to simply reshape the colony they were not there for for simply on on to settle down or to 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 move a lot of spaniards to the philippines to have a good life to to make this place a better place it's not really the case so the new state was determined to collect tributes now owed to the spanish king in compensation for conquest conversion and rule of the philippines so it's more of a uh, somewhat yes it's an expansion but rather it's also a avenue for spain to to improve its economy so of course why would you why would you conquer land if you don't want to invest on it in the in the later run am i right so it led to an influx of spanish settlers missionaries soldiers and traders resulting to a greater demand for food production and of course there is the resettlement therefore included new land tenure and a land use system so of course, we, when we talk about history, our traditional history, when we talk about the, the arrival of the Spaniards, it's very detailed, right? But this one, our focus really is on how the political and economic landscape started to flourish. So you will see by this alone, once, once the Spaniards came into to the, to the scene in the Philippines, it's pretty much created the demand for, for a lot of things. Like, who's going to provide food for the Spaniard? Who's going to provide housing for the Spaniards? Who's going to serve the Spaniards? So, of course, you get the idea that the people who were living already in the first place were, in other words, obliged to do or serve their Spanish colonizers. So, thus, the existence or the emergence of the transition between pre-colonial and post-colonial societies, or. Pre-colonial to colonial societies, and we will digress on this concept of the transition between the uh, the indigenous lives of the Filipinos to become colonists of Spain. So, first thing that the Spaniards actually did is to 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 create uh, what we call as. Uh, uh, to, to reshape rather the settlement system of the Filipino. So land ownership was stripped away since everything is owned by the monarch. So every every inch of the Philippine lands is part of the Spanish monarch. So it's owned by the king or queen of Spain. So those people, those dato, those natives, had their rights or their titles or their lands even revoked. And second, social religious control increased agricultural production and demanded a sedentary population. Now, in the first place, that the Filipinos were settled in their new places. Next thing to do is to create a culture that would demand, uh, sort of, or demand socially less for the Filipinos, but rather in a labor-intensive case, very, very strenuous. So they, they somehow shifted. The, the mindset of the Filipinos wherein or conditioned rather they conditioned the minds of the Filipinos wherein instead of our traditional notions to be free and one of one with nature, we somehow shifted our perspectives into a more agriculturally based or even a sedentary type of lifestyle. So it means that what does it uh, it means that they have created or they have conditioned the people to be To be simply farmers and nothing more nothing else or in other words slaves so since this type of behavior is somewhat very very difficult to control because uprisings would come arise here and there what made or what tamed our pre-colonial ancestors was simply because of religion so upon the the arrival of Christianity during during this time one of one of the drivers, rather, to, to, to pacify our colonists or our pre-colonial Filipinos is because of the fear of religion. So, uh. so now that the Spaniards were able to create a, a type of a culture wherein the Filipinos were nothing more but efficient machines to till and, and create crops for the Spaniards, so the third and fourth part is to design or to design to increase to create designs for the increase or to increase or to create capitals for food production through more intensive land use. So basically stripping away all the all the land ownership of the Filipino as mentioned at the start and using it to further propagate agricultural production meaning it's basically making the Philippines an an agricultural warehouse for the Spanish Empire so you can already see how the economy of the country looks like right so it's nothing more but a big warehouse for the Spaniards to to to, to utilize but aside from that there's also other types of developments and this one in particular is one of the, the spicy types of um political developments wherein there is uh one of our origins as to why the in terms of politics or in terms of statehood the philippines was actually pretty much undefined even up until today scholars would argue that even in, even during the pre-colonial times and even during the spaniard or the colonization times our concept of statehood was very weak and this one was actually due to our experience with political leaders of course we would not credit anymore we would not really put a lot of credit during the pre-colonial civilizations or pre-colonial groups because the concept of statehood in itself is not as expansive but now that the spanish have arrived we are automatically become uh, we are automatically part of the spanish empire as a colony so in terms of in terms of Expanding, we are not anymore in a barangay-based system, but rather we are forced to expand in accordance to that. And since the datu's were taken out of the picture, so the the question of who will facilitate all these uh, pre-colonial Filipinos turned to farmer Filipinos in in the country. So this was actually one of the biggest problems that, that that Spain tried to Spain encountered in the first place wherein there is a big question mark as to who who dominates the politics in the area. So of course we all know already in our Philippine history that it's it's always the governor or the governor general that is the representative of the king of any colony. But that was not really the case of the Philippines because there was actually another power or another another actor that tries to gain power or usurp power in terms of politics. So the order, order was maintained in the colonial Philippines by the independence of secular and clerical states. So there is a conflict between the government and the religious institution. So it's the Catholic Church. But there was actually, uh, in in a sense it was more of a division wherein for the body it's the government and for the soul it's the church. There has to be a union between these things otherwise there is a big problem in terms of, of shaping the Filipinos. But they actually acted not really in cooperation between one another. So there was a lot of conflict or tension between these two poles of power in a sense. And one of which made it somewhat uh, to that would kindle further the conflict between these two sources of power is that in the start there was really little state presence or state domination. In fact, a lot of the the, the management of the Filipinos was given uh, was given to the missionaries themselves. So they were the ones who actually uh, started to to facilitate and manage the. the the early colonial Filipinos. Secular rule was fairly weak due to the shortage of lay Spaniard people willing to actually go into the Philippine colony. In fact, in 1924 to 1934, only 26 non-clerical, when we say non-clerical, these are non-religious affiliated Spaniards who were present outside of Manila and Cebu, while the actual Spaniards were simply cuddled in the walls of the Intramuros, or in some places, or in the, in the walls of the Spanish Cebu during that time. So, in a drastic measure to to force people to stay in the Philippines and, and facilitate the, the Filipinos in a... In a in a secular sense in 1977 sorry 1677 so the crown offered full pardon to criminals in the spanish america who would enlist to serve in the philippines so imagine imagine one of the imagine that in a sense so like so people who come to the philippines are either religious or or criminals who are pardoned, or just, are criminals who just want to receive pardon. So, that really leave a lot of political will to the friars. So in other words, during the start of the Spanish colonization, the friars dominated the state, or the friars controlled the politics. And of course, there is a, a sort of balance of power between secular and clerical states so there is a conflict between who is the political leader in this area of course we all know that the governor general held tremendous power theoretically because the state is actually also the ones practicing these powers in fact uh, the governor general was given the mandate to become to hold powers in in the executive legislative and judiciary so as captain general himself he is he commands the armed forces and the representative of the crown. And he also cons- controlled the assignments of priests to Indio parishes. So if you haven't heard of the word Indio yet, I suggest you look it up for new information. So since it was the, the friars or the religious groups who actually uh, who paved the way for the colonists to 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 experience a sort of a habitable... Or a colony habitable version of the Philippines they they simply demanded a lot of power from it so so they were sim- they simply refused the authority of the governor-general himself and in certain occasions when the governor-general tried to uh, enforce his authority over religious groups the orders simply threat to desert parishes in mass so in other words, it's like a it's like a strike, but going back to Spain or going back to their to their to their mission country. So this really exposed the state's dependence to the clergy during this time. So the the, the state simply had no choice but to to let these friars do whatever they want because otherwise they can't manage these Filipinos alone. So. Since the Spaniard, uh, there are very little Spanish people interested in coming to the Philippines and it's only the clergy or the the missionaries who are very keen in expanding Catholicism and of course also also enjoying the powers of ruling over certain Filipinos and abusing their authority. It's something that the the Spanish government simply cannot let go of. Otherwise, they, they would experience a lot of... Chaos during these during, during these early colonization periods, so this eventually created to the establishment of haciendas. So, these haciendas are managed by lay administrators of religious orders in a setting in which the church and the local government were fully meshed. So, think of haciendas as like your local barangay, but the leaders of this one is not the governor general, it's not the Gobernadorcillo, it's not the dato, but it's of course the clergy or the missionaries. So this this existed in all places in the Philippines, particularly in Visayas and Luzon. But this sort of power did not really persist in the final years of Spanish colonization. So particularly in 1872, to and to the ends and and years of the spanish colonization period spain's weakened grasp to its colonies is hindered further through the following reasons first is the philippine uh, first is sorry it's not reasons right there, there's only one reason so the philippine liberalization of its economy so this one it, it led to an a substantial amount of economic growth so which eventually led to the domination of the British capital so if you're familiar with this one this is when the classical gold standard tried to emerge and then there was this a global market system that facilitated in in this time but was very efficient so they had to liberalize the trade instead of it being an empire based national economy and of course the Chinese distribution networks Further enhance, enhance the the power uh, or restricted the power of the friars because uh, the states had control or had stronger negotiations with the Spanish Spanish uh, merchants and of course it also led to a Filipino export growth. Oh, sorry, Filipino led export growth wherein the Filipinos themselves, stirred elites, and are able to participate in the market. So it's not anymore a very secular control and this one like the 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 church or the missionaries particularly created a stand more of a last stand and there is a conflict between the church within in itself so this was when the clash of the secular parishes and the missionaries emerged so if you're not familiar with the difference between the secular or the diocesan diocesan uh the group and the missionary. So, a good example I could give you is San Jose is a missionary. It's a it's a mission order, and diocesan is basically like is high likely on the parish that you're in. So, like the archdiocese of Pardo, for example, or like the cathedral. So, these are owned by the secular parishes, meaning they are directly under the orders of the Vatican. Meanwhile, the missionaries are 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 answered or are are managed by the order or the mission the mission orders themselves for example uh the augustinian requests it's a good example the oad um the jesuits so the franciscans so instead of answering directly from the vatican they answer first to their mission and the mission directly answers to the vatican while instead of of going through a mission or having a mission so the secular parishes answer to the diocese and the diocese answer to the vatican so in 1970s or sorry in in 1770s there was a secularization of parishes so uh you might wonder why like why did why did the missionaries lose control over the philippines in fact that should be the procedure where the missionaries are the forefront of evangelization and once it's established the 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 people or or the the people in the members of the church who would stay in those evangelized areas are the secular uh, secular or the diocesan priests. So so mainly the missionaries are more of a forerunners. And then once it's settled, the diocesan takes over. So that should be the standard. But of course a lot of religious groups really enjoyed the power that they had over in the Philippines, because simply there is no state to to tell them what to do or what not to do, it was now more of a conflict between the missionaries and the diocesans, between particularly on the missionaries not letting go of their haciendas. So the seminaries welcomed the sons and and uh, the sons of the Indus and the mestizo families, while uh, the religious organizations really are somewhat strict during that time. So one of the good heritage or examples that I can give you is is, is the withstanding school there in Mabolo if you're familiar the Yosisan Seminaries in Mabolo so the Seminario Mayor de San Carlos is one of its uh, it's one of the oldest schools in the Philippines in fact it still uh, existed during the Spanish colonization period and of course the emergence of liberal governors who so also uh, Attacked directly, so the work who exposed the abuses of friars. So we should not confuse the friars and the the secular priests because they have, they're, they're different in terms of, of the role in the church system. So this is all, this is also during the time where people started to write against the secular, the, the mission or the orders that were dominant in the Philippines during this time. So I would, I would read you the uh, a script taken from Odi Corpus. So an observer sent from Spain to the Filipinas reported in 1842 that during the last years, officials newly arrived in Manila issued anti-friar measures. One of these forbade the friars' practice of whipping their practitioners for not religiously observing church requirements. The friars petitioned to be allowed to continue whipping their practitioners, explaining that the lashing would be done in front of the church door. The governor not only dismissed the petition but also circulated his decision among the natives. This caused the greatest grief among the parish priests. Uh, it's it's more of our realization period that they're losing control over the colonies themselves this led to the religious groups trying to at least retaliate to, to try to grasp control over the philippines so secularization of parishes were stalled by the friars so instead of instead of uh, instead of encouraging the indios and the local Filipinos and the mestizos to become priests, there was uh, a huge discrimination during that part. A lot of which is manifested during the execution of the gumbursa, and also the visitations of bishops was resisted by the parish friars, but not of the secular priests. In fact, so. Secular priests were used as pawn, assisted by the bishops, to subordinate posts in order-controlled parishes, where they became targets of friar anger. So there was a there was already a clash between the secular priest and the religious or or, or the order-based priest. So by the late nineteenth century, Filipino priests were among the most intellectually abled men of the colony, and the Spanish friars of the Philippines were Mainly poor provincials of limited education and experience. So, there was really a, a, a good change in terms of the religious landscape of the Philippines as well. So, friars ceased to be representatives of a ruling race where they were seen as men with many faults and errors. So, this confrontation between the liberal government, the secular priest, versus the Spanish friars led to the execution of the Gomborza fathers. That is also why the, this this event, or the, the death of the Gumburza, was one of the prowling points of Philippine liberal ideologies. Because it's this was in a period where uh, having Filipino priests was actually scarce. And this was also the time where the, the order was very, very somewhat insecure with them losing their power that they had to to, to sort to other measures like blackmailing or framing... Uh, secular priests into to to being uh, to 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 dub them as rebellious by nature and then leading them to be actually executed so this struggle persisted even later on so the interest between friars and elites resulted into more tension so it was more of a like the secular the secular priests or the secular groups were not able to to overthrow the, the, the influence of the Order Friars in this area, it now transitioned or the burden was rather passed or buck passed back to the elites. So it was now the elites uh, who were at the forefront of the battle against the Friars themselves. So the principal site of conflict was mainly through education and now you're familiar in this period, this is when the Ilustrados are in the forefront of the conflict. So, the orders clung to reactionary curricula and resisted making Spanish or the Spanish language intrinsic to Philippine learning. So, if you're wondering why, even if we're colonized in, by the Spaniards for 333 years, we are pretty much not masters of the Philippine la- or the Spanish language. In fact, it's it's not heavily part of our culture and in fact, once the Americans arrived we, we easily... Uh, forgo of these of, of this language or in other words we were easily we easily forgot the Spanish language or in other words we never learned a lot about it in the first place it's because the Spaniards were really uh, uh how do you call that uh, limited in teaching the language because they know that if the, the Filipinos would learn the language they would also somewhat eventually Overthrow these friars themselves because their abuses would be, would be shown in the spotlight. So this was somewhat inevitable for, for this the the parish or the friars or the orders because of the emergence of the illustrados. So from this through the European Enlightenment emerged a group of self-proclaimed, uh, learned individuals that is the ilustrados. So. This is also when the ilustrados abandoned the Catholic Church for anti-clerical Freemasons. So, I believe you're highly familiar already in this scenario. This is this is the time of Rizal and friends uh, writing and creating speeches against the abuses of the the friars. So, to, to make it clear, like they're they're really not atheists or like they're really not against God. They're simply against an abusive an abusive church so but of course it's viewed by the the orders as something as anti-clerical and uh, heretical by nature so they were they were somewhat considered as as like the devils in their in the in the eyes of the orders but eventually they created the the order, or the the, the group name La Solidaridad, or the propaganda movement, and let's try to refresh the, the purpose of the La La Solidaridad. So the movement mainly had five primary goals, sort of, uh, so to speak. So first is administrative reform. Second is eradication of corruption. Third is recognition of the Filipino rights by loyal Spaniards. And fourth is the extension of Spanish laws to the Philippines. And fifth is the assertion of dignity of the Filipinos. So are you getting the picture now that the purpose of the La Solidaridad is not to view as as a as a as a front for revolution, but rather as a front for reformation. So the La Solidaridad really did not aim to to give an independent Philippines but rather to create a Philippines in a, a version of the Philippines being a province of Spain to give equal rights of or to give equal rights for Filipinos similar to the Spaniards even Rizal was one of the main proponents for reform Rizal never 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 mentioned or never uh, promulgated ideas of revolution it was never in his in his agenda in the first place it was and uh, it was Andres Bonifacio who was very radical in terms of revolution in his KKK What Rizal was more of a reform so he believed that the Filipinos were not ready for for an independent state so what's better for the Philippines he viewed during this time is to become uh, a province an, an equal to the people of Spain, to be represented by Spain, not as a colony, but as a province. And of course we also have to highlight Rizal as well, so uh, Rizal is, uh, is a highly accomplished, a well-traveled, and best known for writing two of the incomparable novels expressing absurdities of life in the, in the colony. In fact, it was one of the earliest writings in the East, that expressed anti-colonial sentiments. During this time, uh, countries or neighboring countries like India and and uh, Southeast Asia were inspired actually a lot by Rizal because it 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 sort of acted as a catalyst that we could actually create. Uh, we could, it it encouraged anti-colonial sentiments. It it encouraged to. To, to write against abusive colony or colonizers. So the Noli Tangere was of course written in Spanish, translated in German, and smuggled in the Philippines, a very very interesting history of how it, it spread in the Philippines, was a first of its kind anti-colonial novel in Asia. That's why scholars like Benedict Anderson dubbed Rizal as the first Filipino. Because he was the first one to create the idea that we are independent. We are we are actual people and we are not colonists. And now we move to the Philippine Revolution. We're not gonna go tell the story of Rizal's life, man. We're gonna focus on the entirety of the Philippine development and the or or the downgrade of the Spanish role in the Philippines. So the Katipunan of course is somewhat the polar opposite rather of, of the Last Solidaridad where it aimed not reform but rather overthrowing the Spanish Empire including the friars including the government including the Spaniards themselves so Rizal was of course for elite reformism but Bonifacio's Tagalog demanded lower-class radicalism meaning we have to gain what is ours and the spaniards are not part or should not benefit from any of it a little quick trivia as you might wonder like we have been colonized by the spaniards and we were not really treated equally we were not really treated fairly but why is it that instead of abandoning other culture other spanish cultures simply like just like like how easily we abandoned uh, uh, um, the Spanish language. Why did the religion, particularly Catholicism, remain dominant in the Philippines? Why did it persist in the Philippines? A very interesting take, especially in Reynaldo, Clement, uh, Reynaldo Elieto's work, The Passion and the Revolution, highlights the the importance of religion as somehow sort of the unifying unifying it's not really a catalyst rather it's a unifying idea that valued the filipinos as a whole because during this time there was nothing really similar that would that would unite the whole Philippines like for example the 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 people in the Visayas have their own language they have their own culture they have their own practice in comparison to to the the people in Luzon so it actually led to being really or having religion as the first unifying identity of what it is being a Filipino. So there has been a contradiction between Filipino revolutionaries and Catholicism. So, particularly on the passion, so the passion, by the way, is the reading and dramatizing the story of Jesus Christ, especially during the remaining days of. Uh, of his life so before the crucifixion so first Catholicism was by the Spanish Spanish colonizers used to inculcate among the Indios loyalty to the Spain and the church second it's to provide lowland Philippine society with a language for articulating its own values its ideals and, and even hopes for liberalization or liberation so instead of of the idea that would would keep us in check we actually Viewed religion differently as something that could unite us in terms of values, in terms of sentiments, and also lead us to liberalization. That's according to Renato Eletto. Filipinos nevertheless continued to maintain a coherent image of the world and their place in it through the familiarity of the Pasión, an epic that appears to be alien in content. It's not somehow physically relatable to the Filipinos, but upon closer examination reveals the vitality of the Filipinos minds. So instead of abandoning Catholicism, it became a rallying point for Filipinos, especially on the passion that uh, that they have the right to to be free against oppressors. They have the right to, to to be liberated. So it became the the turning point instead of the the thing that would control the people it became the turning point to to make a unified stand against the colonizers which which is actually a very beautiful phenomenon because it's the biggest irony of 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 the spaniards themselves where 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 religion is supposed to control resulted to religion being one of its liberating factors of course they also other factors as well but uh we cannot dismiss that the significance it also explains why as of today we persisted to become catholics now we move forward to the malolos republic so on february 1898 the united states declared war on spain having the philippine revolution embroidered in between so during this time the philippine revolution started so June 12, the Philippine independence was not recognized by neither United States and Spain. I'm not gonna talk about the Philippine Revolution or the Philippine War because it's it's already discussed, I believe, in your other subjects. We already had a history for this, so we're simply gonna focus on on the development of political and economic uh, uh, development of the Philippines. So particularly on the First Republic or the First Independent Republic. So on June 12, the Philippine independence was not recognized by neither Spain or the United States upon the end of the war. So the Treaty of Paris purchased the Philippines for 20 million dollars. So instead of... actually the Spaniards were actually very wise during this event wherein they really had no control of the philippines whatsoever meaning they can't send troops or they can't send filipinos to fight for them because there is a revolution in place they are in all odds against or they're they're against all odds in winning against america so what they did is instead of fighting until the death they simply sold the philippines in order to to at least reduce casualties and gain from it eventually and that is how we we are instead of becoming or actualizing independence we transition from one colonizer to another so instead of developing as a state we simply had a new colonizer. So the Malolos Republic as a state shaped society over centuries in ways ranging from religion, gender norms, family naming, or even the spatial definitions of civic life and economic livelihood. As a nation, it it's one of the first attempts to try to speak to the colonial state through reform movement and ultimately rejected it in its radical revolution of self-definition. So, what makes the Malolos Republic stand out in terms of of it being relevant in the state development of the Philippines is that it's actually the first attempt to create a unified Philippines. Because if we are to if we are to actualize it, if revolutions happened, there is also a chance that Visayas and even Mindanao, especially Mindanao, would not really. Uh, claim to the demands of the people in Luzon and creating a, a singular Philippine country uh, the people in besides would say oh let's just separate since we are really culturally and uh, in terms of language all very different and Mindanao would also argue that this uh, Spain never conquered us anyway why should be we, we why should we unite with you but it was the Malolos Republic that actually uh, sparked the idea of a unified Philippines so it's a reaction of an emerging nation state in defense of its imagined community where it tried to actualize that no instead of dividing us we can actually be one we can actually be a Philippines you know, that is united Luzon besides and Mindanao it's, it's one of the first attempts to try to unify the Philippines so that's it for our discussion right now so So for the next discussion we will of course move in the American period. So Instead of of actually having the chance to develop, we actually lost that that opportunity. We were actually winning against the Spaniards. The Spaniards were uh, somewhat sort of sandwiched in terms of conflict. It has war in South America against the Americans and it has conflicts among the regions in Europe. And of course it's losing its grasp in the colonial Philippines. There is really no opportunity whatsoever for for Spain to, to, to hold or to tighten its grasp for the Philippines. So just imagine if the United States never accepted the the accepted selling the Philippines or like accepted accepted the price for Philippines to be sold just imagine that of course but Philippines is a very strategic location in Asia US simply had had no no choice but to say yes for its state for its advantages so but if let's say in an, in another universe like you un, in a, another universe like United States was more of a uh, we don't really care about colonizing because we just care about about United States and we just want you out in our in our conflict so we let the Filipinos decide what to do with you so there would be a chance that the Manolo's Republic could actually potentially become a a proper state during this period so we would have more chance or more period to learn the ropes of developing as a state as a state so we would be learning amongst ourselves on how to, to develop ourselves further of course it's a very debatable topic because of in a sense it's it's purely speculation or 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 the prediction there is no way to 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 verify that this is certainly good is certainly what's going to happen if like the the americans never bought us for 20 million pesos or dollars all right so let's just end the discussion there and i hope you've learned something and in- You've learned something interesting in the Philippine political and economic development during the Spanish period. So we're not strictly dealing with history here because that's another subject for you to 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 be enrolled at. So we're focusing on how how the Philippines tried to become at least a state. So in in summary, and during the pre the colonial period, there was almost a chance for the Philippines to create this state identity but somehow it got lost in the process because of the emergence of another so another colonizer of course we tried to, to actualize it but and you know we lost the war so we never had the chance to, to do it in the first place all right so thank you everyone for listening and stay tuned for our next podcast episode so that will be the american colonization period all right so have a great day stay safe and stay indoors